Hello and welcome back to the Business of Show Business podcast with me, your host, Jamie Boddy. Unpacking the skills needed for the entertainment and creative industries and celebrating those already in them. This is episode seven of season four, and this is sadly the last episode of this season. I've kept this season short and sweet, but it's been jam-packed with amazing guests who have shared so much value and industry insight. And this last episode will not disappoint. I am joined by Sine Teomina, who is the managing director of the Dark Horse Agency. We dive into the world of being an agent, how to get an agent, how you can have other strings to your bow, and so much more. So enough of me talking, let's get on with the show. On today's episode of the Business of Show Business podcast, I'm joined by Sine Teomina, who is the director and head agent of the Dark Horse Agency. When she's not busy in the office and helping her clients, she still finds time to choreograph and teach. How are you, Sine? I'm good. How are you, Jamie? I'm very well. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome. I'm excited to have a chat with you today. I'm super excited. Amazing. And I can't believe we're on season four of the podcast. I know you've tuned into some of the previous seasons. So thank you for being a supporter. It's not just me talking to myself. Oh my God, I adore them. I think uh, our mutual friend, Sarah, put me on to, to you and, and the podcast. And then I think during lockdown, I was on my runs listening to you I think amazing I love them all they're amazing thank you and I guess that's one thing is that our friendship is kind of it's through lockdown it's kind of blossomed and we've bumped into each other in between the lockdowns and stuff so yeah amazing thing to come from um lockdowns and technology so absolutely the, the reason I wanted you on because I think you are so supportive of your clients where you offer resources and teach client classes and I just think you're such an amazing agent where you're your clients aren't just numbers. So let's dive into your life as an agent. What made you want to kind of transition from the on-screen performer to actually having your own agency? Um, so I think f- for me, the transition was um, fairly organic. I will say that, but it also took time, I think, to realise that that's what I wanted to do, which I think is quite normal in any kind of transition from a creative or a performer to the next thing. Um it's kind of looking back now, I can see how the steps, everything kind of aligned to that moment of going, actually, I'm going to start my own agency. This is what I want to do. And it was kind of a light bulb moment, I would say. Um, So basically, I'd done maybe 15 years of performing. Um, I had then um, gone up to do full time teaching and work in the education sector um, in Scotland, um, working with full time students, uh, working alongside Um, the in-house agency there as well that was where I kind of that spark kind of grew I would say Um, I love teaching I enjoy that side of the industry Um, but it got to a point where I was just physically exhausted (laughs) (laughs) I had no energy and I loved obviously loved the mentoring side and the support side Um, and then for me um, moving into the kind of agent side was yeah it was fairly organic I think I wanted to marry those two things in terms of be that support network and also the business side of it and also helping the clients you know um, shape their career so it kind of just merged together really and it was kind of a natural progression but I would say there was a bit of fear behind the choice like anything that's new I think I was like many many months of going actually can I do this where do I start it's like a it's a it's a mountain of thoughts, do you know what I mean? But I think the day I just said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And I'm, and I'm I obviously haven't looked back and it's a journey, but yeah. So I think it's a, it's a combination of things. It's the coming from the educational background, 
being around other agents as well that inspired me to kind of put those two things together I would say yeah so it sounds like becoming an agent was kind of lots of meeting points lots of paths you traveled all kind of converging on one and I think although now hindsight is 2020 you look back and think those steps were there but I'm sure in the time it seems a bit crazy probably thinking that pool of still wanting to perform was also making these steps as an educator as an in-house agent what was that mindset like I think I myself when I transitioned more into the broadcast side of things it's hard to slowly wean yourself off something that's been a part of your life for many many years it's so hard isn't it and I think every performer has gone through that it's a bit of a tug of war I would say isn't it because and I and I, I did it in terms of I I moved and moved you know cities and started teaching but then four years into teaching I had a little bit of a reverse moment and went back into a show <laughs> so I was like I had that moment of oh god I'm not done yet and then when I done that that last show I was like oh okay now I'm done but I think I think the mindset for me, I don't know if you feel feel the same. I knew that I didn't want to leave the industry. Like, I think, you know, there's some performers and, and I value that decision too. They just cut straight off and go, well, now I'm going to be a real estate agent or I'm going to be something else. And that is amazing as well. But for me, I actually felt like I couldn't walk away entirely. I needed to still stay within that thread, I think. Um, or, yeah, so I think there was the mindset of, there isn't an alternative here. I'm not, I'm not going to go back and study something different. I am going to obviously slip into that business side, but how can I still stay creative in that industry? So I think, yeah, I guess the mindset is just that I didn't want to, to ever lose that yeah. connection to the industry. I think it's so, it's such a passionate industry and we do it because we love it. So I think it's so hard just to cut off and not saying that a nine to five isn't good for people, but I just know for me that it, it, I would have just gone, stir crazy I think <laughs> yeah no 100% because there yeah. are some performers that for them it's when their performing career has come to its natural end there's some performers that are very e able to close that door on that chapter and say what is my new career which is amazing but I'm very much like yeah. you and I was like I need to be in this industry still it's kind of like yeah. my my lifeline that buzz how do I how do I replicate that as being on stage somewhere else in industry um, so yeah. yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah, and I think as from what again from an outsider looking at your agency and all everything that you put on for your clients, I think that that comes across quite clearly with your clients from an external point of view, like how much you want them to succeed, and it's not just you trying to fill that gap. In the meantime, you actually think no, you want your clients to succeed. So what is it you love about being an agent? Um, I obviously I'm two and a half years in now, so I still feel like I'm in, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on the beginning pathway of it. So, um, for me again, and, and obviously I've been through the roller coaster of emotions with everybody and, you know, it's, you're on that path with them, you know, when they don't get a, a job or they get cut from an audition or something doesn't go to plan. Yes. You're there with them. Obviously I can't hold the hand all the time. So we are, I'm navigating that as well, that obviously we are a support system, but there is that fine line there, which has actually been the biggest learning curve for me as an agent, is that there is also a point where the client needs to take over and take that responsibility for growth. That's a big thing that's been a massive eye-opener for me on, on my side. Um, but obviously, yeah, I think the the highlight is being on that journey when somebody gets that job or there even there's that small milestone of, they're improving in a certain area of their training or 
there's just those little things daily that will that are just um yeah they're meaningful and it means that we're working towards that bigger picture um and for me it is about a process and I think you know that as well as a as a an ex-performer or you're still performing too that it's not just you graduate and you're in that big West End job if you if that is the case amazing and that is for some people but it's such a journey and I think um I I did have wonderful agents when I was auditioning but as an agent myself now I feel like I am offering that little bit of extra support understanding that journey that it's not it's not rainbows and puppies all the time (laughs) (laughs) if only it was (laughs) definitely not so yeah what I think is great that you've said is like it's actually taking ownership of where you are in your career and I think this is quite a um a bold umbrella statement in the fact of there's this blueprint of you train you get an agent and then you wait for the agent to get you the work and obviously yes but it's there's so much to it. It's like you will then make sure they're packaged correctly to submit them to get them in the room but then as you said there comes a point in that journey when the performer the client actually has to kind of go forth by themselves take ownership of how they're feeling if they didn't execute the audition or secure the work what can they learn from it and I think that's a really good sentiment that you said there to kind of hit home to people who are listening it's like just getting an agent doesn't mean you'll necessarily have the career that you want or deserve It's it's a working relationship absolutely and I do think um, I do think that currently the note, the maybe the expectation, that's the right word, of what an agent does can be a little bit grey in terms of when people are graduating or, or, or through their journey. Um, it is a two way partnership. And I and I do I do weekly check ins, not with everyone individually. That would take me hours. But I do I do if I can a weekly email check in that goes to every single client on a Monday or a Friday, depending on on the week. And I do highlight these certain things that that will hopefully tighten that relationship. And this week, you know, I had it, it was it was a two page email um, that I had to get things out and I had to, to talk to the clients about that balance because we were losing that a little bit in terms of communication. You know, you have to check your phone before you go to bed because you may have an audition in two days or a self tape that's due. But there is that partnership there that has to be met. And I think there is a little bit of a notion that I've got an agent, I'm going to sit back and wait for the phone to ring, but it's actually, it's the clients that I have that, that work with me. And if I said, if I say to them, look, um, you know, we need new headshots or we need a certain part of footage that's missing from your reel, they get off their butts and they get it done. Even if it's filmed in their kitchen, I don't care. Like let's get it done. And then they're the ones in the room and they're the ones booking the work. So it's like, it's, it's a bit of an eye opener for me too. And I think I, I am about the support, but I'm also, there has to be a time when kind of ego shouldn't take over and it shouldn't be like, I am, I deserve this job right away. It's all, hang on a second. What are we doing to build to that job? Um, it sounds a bit harsh. And I had a bit of a, I had a bit of a crack the whip moment this week, but, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It has to be said, it has to be said or else yeah. the balance drops and then the partnership doesn't work. Yeah. So Exactly. Yeah. You're like, you better get that spatula and do those chevy turns <laughs> in the kitchen. Like, <laughs> But you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's being proactive and, and it's also, you know, I can't hold everybody's hand. And then it's things like certain things like reading emails. If, if you know, and your agent or someone has said, you've got to be here at this time, just read the email, read the, yeah. read the details. It shouldn't be spoon fed. You're an adult. Even if you're a young adult, you're still, that's what I mean about it's the client's responsibility to grow as well and take responsibility for getting a flight to somewhere for an audition or you know being prepared for that recall and having that song 
ready to go and having do you know what I mean it's that kind of stuff too but yeah so I'm I'm learning as well I'm going to give that support but I do need to crack that whip sometimes (laughs) of course and like the older I get the more I'm an advocate of guarding your your energy and your time because they're two things you can't get back and I think it's very important in our industry that you've hit the nail on the head there about it's everything to do with our industry is about relationships and connections isn't it it's the conversation between the client and the agent, the agent and the casting director, the costume yeah. designer and the set designer. It's all about communication and it's knowing when to give more to a relationship, when to pull back. Because obviously if you're always there as a crutch, people are going to lean on you all the time and maybe not grow to where they could or should be. So no, I think that's finding that balance is, it takes a while, it's, doesn't it? It does. It, and, and I also know with each individual client, I've got a different slightly different way of communicating because I need to I've got some younger clients that do need that little bit of a push you know and some older clients who still need a push and it's all it's kind of um yeah it's all it's it's different for everybody but at the same time I think it could be a generation thing I feel like um I don't know I feel like my generation was a bit like rip the band-aid off just go get it done you like even if you have to spend that little bit of extra money to get to that casting or you know it was it was a little bit of that mentality and I'm not sure whether it's because, you know, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, you know, um, whether it's a generation thing in terms of we have, or where we are living right now, culturally, we get everything very quickly. Do you know what I mean? It's that kind of get it quick mentality. So I think that can sometimes seep into industry and how you promote yourself and, and wanting things right away, but actually not, putting in the groundwork to get there if that makes sense yeah no 100 like if people can see this camera I'm like nodding violently (laughs) because yeah I think we are such a generation of instant whether it's instant gratification you can yeah buy a ticket to fly around the world the next day (laughs) and it does seep into people's the part of their identity they expect I want I want and it's not malicious or selfish it's just they expect well actually if you think about it we train for two to three years but on top of that, we've done that since we, a lot of dancers start at three, seven, 12, yeah. whatever it is. So it's years. So then we sometimes just expect things. And I deal with it quite often when I'm doing business coaching with clients and it's like, okay, I need this by Friday. And I'm like, okay, well, that's set realistic expectations. And because yeah. obviously if you only have one goal, you only celebrate once. But if you have lots of mini goals along the way, you celebrate more and it kind of keeps up that momentum. So no, I fully agree with you there that we are, it's kind of inbred in us right now, isn't it? That we yeah. can get what we want immediately. And that's sadly yeah. not always the case. No, it's not. It's not. And I think not getting what you want right away means that the triumphs are, uh, are better, aren't they? You, do you know what I mean? The, the When you get that dream job and you've had the 50 no's before it, it makes it sweeter, I think. And there's value in that. There's yeah. so much value. In yeah, that. Like, yeah. And again, yeah. that's one thing. Hindsight, again, is like you have to fail to, to grow and know, right, what I want is outside my comfort zone. Otherwise I'd already have it. And if you don't fail, you won't necessarily always grow. And I'm sure it's the same for you. There's been auditions that we've absolutely been gagging for, haven't got it. And an even better job has presented itself down the line. Absolutely. Or it's the same for some of my clients where they've said no to something because, oh, they weren't quite right about something and whatever. And then the next thing has come in and it's been perfect. And it's just that it's just navigating that, isn't it, really? But yeah, yeah. But the rejection or, or the no's, I think they're they're good for everybody. But we have to learn to not take them personally. I think that's hard sometimes. Yeah. But it gets. I think 
that when I think I got into my 30s and I was auditioning, that was when I was really like, ah, I don't actually care what happens. Yeah. <laughs> you like, just go in and do your thing, don't you? And you're like, if they don't like me, that's that's fine. Go on. Exactly. You're yeah. like, where are all these puppies that my agents promised me? Where are they? <laughs> They're not here. <laughs> what I'd also love to quickly explore there is actually when we as performers, as clients, as agents, then have the power of saying no, because it could be a job that actually isn't the right time for someone because they they need some them time, they need, they've got a wedding, they've got a holiday booked, or the job comes through and the, the money's maybe not what they need to, to live. And so when we have the power of saying no, and I guess that's one thing I think a lot of clients who have an agent will be scared to turn a job down. So it's finding that line of, don't be silly, don't turn that job down, it's amazing. But then also being like, actually, this isn't the perfect fit for you. So let's quickly explore that. Have you had that so far as an agent where maybe you've had to turn down a job or a client's not wanted to do a job? I mean, it's like you've just read my brain today. I've had, (laughs) we've had situations like this once a week, I would say minimum. Um, So it's very common. And I think it's something as an agent I'm navigating. And also um, I try to make my clients very aware that at the end of the day, and I say this to them, you know, time and time again, your happiness is takes priority over anything, any job. So if there's something in that contract or something, if it, it's in terms of travel or where it is, or there's something that doesn't sit right with them, obviously I will talk with them about that. But if there is something not right there, there is no, we will not pressure them to take anything. It has to be that they have to want to. There has been occasions where it, it, those decisions have been made on fear in terms of, I don't want to leave my home city. I don't want to navigate the world in those situations. I have a little bit of a different conversation. Yeah, of course. That's Yeah, that's where I put on my agent hat and say, look, actually, um, we need to build your CV. It's an amazing job. The only con for you is, is the location. But actually, this could lead then to the next big, big, big thing. So yeah. those conversations are had. If it's something else, yes, of course, if the money isn't good, if it's someone isn't happy about a condition, if it's a shared room if it obviously we avoid that but if it's something that we can't budge then of course I would rather not send someone out on a job if if their mental health is going to be um affected obviously yeah Yeah. so but but I do have the conversation that goes the other way if someone's just uh, the decision comes from I don't want to step out of a comfort zone that's a different thing I would say yeah it makes me so happy you've said that because I just from my personal experience Many years ago, I had one agent who I shan't name, um, who <laughs> I had the most awful experience of a job where I just felt bullied into going to an audition I didn't want and then bullied into the yeah. job, which eventually I didn't take for many reasons. Yeah, but it was such a hard decision because, like, oh, no, agent knows best. But what I love there is that fact you can look at it kind of you can take the emotion out and the fact of you look at it as a career step and what they can gain from it. But then you can then flip to the other side and be like right you've been a performer yourself you understand what they're saying so it sounds like you've got a lovely kind of halfway house so to speak when it comes I, to I try to yeah I try to and it's also especially for my younger clients that fear does govern them because they are scared to leave home and I and I understand that and then and then I can then go in I said to a client this week who you know did, didn't want to travel out of home and I said look I was 17 and a half and I've and I left Australia to come to the UK. I know how you're feeling. <laughs> yeah. I know how you're feeling. So it, on, on those occasions, I can 
make it a little bit more personal and say, this is my experience and, and see if that does help. But at the end of the day, if a client comes back and says, I'm not doing that, then that's fine. Do you know what I mean? There's no way that, that we would pressure that. So, but, yeah. but, but we, we'll explore avenues anyway. <laughs> no, I love that. And I guess one thing that, again, you don't necessarily realize when you are the client is that contracts are there to be negotiated. That's what an agent Absolutely. does as well. And I think, again, it's kind of that fight or flight or all or nothing, isn't it? Sometimes we think, oh, I've got the job. But if I don't like this one section, I won't get the job or they'll never hire me again. When actually, as you said, you might be able to renegotiate the contract and think the money's not great. However, they're looking for a dance captain. Let's see if we can get you that role. The money's bumped up. So contracts can be negotiated. Absolutely. There's no, it's not sign on the dotted line straight away. Do you know what I mean? There's always, there's room, there's wriggle room always, hopefully. (laughs) Yes, exactly. If your elbows are out and you're in there. We try, we try. (laughs) Let's explore a bit more about the life of an agent. And obviously, if you're listening to this, we are getting towards the end of 2021. COVID has hit the world and the entertainment industry, I'm sure in every country, was one of the worst hit. But it's picking up. There's stuff coming, maybe not as free flowing as it was before but stuff is picking up which is fantastic so the life of an agent let's try and take covid out of the picture and think what it because obviously it's not just the the um client interaction it's the building your own contacts with all the casting directors it's reviewing showreels admin invoicing scheduling <laughs> there's so much tell us what it is like in the day of an agent it is hectic <laughs> <laughs> If I can put it into one word, it's hectic. I love it though, but it's hectic. Um, I've actually got a new assistant coming on board soon, Amazing. which is great just to kind of help ease all of that out. Um, I think what a lot of maybe non-agents or clients or performers may not realize is that there's like, and you listed a few of those avenues there, there is so much going on at one one time. So in on a day-to-day basis, you are obviously, you're doing your submissions. So you've got your reading um briefs and breakdowns which takes your time as well you're carefully submitting you're doing your pushes for people which is additional additional um support and additional you know get them in the room um as well as that you are on hand to support anyone that's on a job so you could be doing submissions and then the phone rings somebody's on a ship and the ship's broken down i'm just giving you an example (laughs) So, so you're dealing with that and then you've got you're still doing your submissions then you've got you know people got new headshots coming in you're choosing new headshots um, it's it's very very constant and obviously in terms of setting up the books the admin side is really important we want to make sure that we have everyone's info on file obviously that's ease for us for submissions um, yeah and then it's contacting co- uh, casting directors making sure we're doing the right pushes and and getting clients in the room and yeah it's I mean it's endless it doesn't stop <laughs> no of course it, yeah <laughs> and again like I think not everyone realizes that and that's not because they've chose not to acknowledge it it's just because it's almost behind a closed door isn't it you've got an agent you don't want to bother them but this auditions come up or this or that but I think it's really helpful for listeners um, whether they are recent grads or veterans to kind of know the type of hours and time commitment and also the emotion that as you said you're going through these journeys of everyone you feel the blow if they don't get it there's so much you have to give your your time to as an agent it's not just yeah. oh here's one email submit. <laughs> I wish it was like that. It's definitely not <laughs> yeah. like that. It's not like that. But it's it's also for me, and that's why I had to go back to my clients this week and say mm. collectively, 
that we do need that open communication because when when the email replies come in quicker it means our admin gets done quicker and then there's more time to be researching um and finding work do you know what i mean so yeah. that's that that's where the balance is i think and that's where what i found personally kind of dipped coming out of covid when things just exploded the admin side exploded and then and then had to had to kind of come back to a level to make sure that you know the support side is still there and also the the finding and the research of work because that's the main yeah. that is the main drive so um but yeah it's a lot it's a lot but it's a learning curve i'll say yeah. that <laughs> of course and so for the listeners who are uk based spotlight is the main database but i know we have some listeners in america and other countries where it could be backstage.com equity website auditions pop up everywhere so it's not even like a case of every audition in England goes through that one channel anymore. Mm. It's having to, you may also, because I know yourself, you've worked and choreographed a lot in Germany. So you may get some exclusive audition breakdowns or hear of some more European auditions. So you have to kind of collate that database and then work out who's right or wrong for it. So I think there's, there is a job for everyone, but for some people they might fit the more generic build or height or age for those, for that casting of that year. But there might be yeah. some people that are more niche, but they rock that niche. They're the only one in that niche. So then they secure all that work. It's kind of learning where to work with your agent when there's gaps of work. But then also, I guess, keeping your agent up to date when they are in work and not waiting for them to finish their two year contract. And then, like, oh, so now I need a job now. Yeah, literally. Yeah, it's that ongoing communication. And also, I've, I, I think I mentioned this to clients about a month ago. We had a big it was an email discussion, but I opened up the discussion about knowing your castability. That's a really important one because I get, I get emails and I'm sure there's people listening who have agents. They hear that a friend is, is going up for a show, send, send the agent an email. Oh, Hey, I'd love to be, be put up for this, but actually I've had to go back to clients and say, actually, you're not right for this role and explain why. So I think for you as an artist, you should also take responsibility of knowing where you're at with your skill set. Um, and obviously as an agent, we have to submit carefully. I can't blanket submit a million people. No. Um, it has to be the right niche of people for that role. So I think that's something that I think young talent and even experienced talent, something to be aware of as well is that knowing your casting bracket. Um, and if you're not sure of that, or you want to dispute that, I always open that door. I say to clients, I say, well, I'm not submitting you for that. And then we have that discussion, which I love. Yeah because they'll tell me, well, I am. And I said, well, actually, and then we find the middle ground. And if it means, okay, we need to push the singing, we need to push something else, a different style here, then we have that conversation and we move forward. Um, it's not a closed door on that casting or that show, but we open that conversation to make sure that when they are in for it, they're in front of the team with the best skills for that role. Yeah. yeah. So Preach it. Like I, Zach, you yeah. say when I'm speaking with clients and about their personal brand and what they're right for. They're like, I want to do this type of show with this job. But then I'm like, but that's not apparent on your CV. Your headshot doesn't show that. So it's just like kind of almost working backwards, isn't it? If that's what you yeah. want or what, what is it you have to offer and who's hiring those skills? Because as you said, someone might be like, oh, this tour's going out, put, put me up for it. But if they're only looking for someone with ABC and you're giving me DEF, <laughs> like that's fine. Someone will want DEF, yeah. like it's okay. Or if yeah. you've got a bit of A, show us the A. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I was waiting for the A. I was like, where's the A? Um, yeah, it's, it's, and I think it's knowing where you sit in that and knowing that it's not temporary. Um, uh, sorry, it is temporary, but you can, you can work through that. Um, but yeah, it does. It's sometimes 
it's a bit of kind of pushing against a wall there because the agent will and should know where that bracket is. Um, so yeah, it just it just saves time if you're you're you understand where that is as well in terms yeah. of the casting. So yeah. That's great because again, some people will. There's so many agents out there now. Some have specialties. Some may only deal with cruise contracts, tours, West End, TV, or some may do all of it. And I think it's finding an agent. Going back to what you said earlier about the relationship and the balance and making sure it is a two-way conversation. Yeah. But then, not just because I know, especially with fresh graduates, I know the same. When I graduated many years ago, <laughs> you could join. We can maybe we'll touch on this in a minute. Contracts. So if you're on a non-exclusive contract, you might have several commercial agents. Great. However, you might not hear from any of them ever possibly yeah. or once a year yeah. and you can't just sit and then that's why I think sometimes people lose the passion and drive because they think oh I've got this agent and then they just sit there don't get me wrong there's probably some bad agents and there's also probably some people out there that are rude to agents so it's I'm not saying one party's right or wrong but maybe let's yeah. discuss contracts with yourself can you do you offer non-exclusive are you full representation again this might be quite a nice little mini education for any fresh yeah grads out there <laughs> learning about contracts um yeah so for for theater and that's under the whole theater umbrella we run on an exclusive contract which is you'll find that is um the baseline for for uk work um then for commercial based things whether that's commercial dance or commercial tv commercial stills under that bracket we are non-exclusive um so yeah. that that offers our clients that freedom so we have clients on our theater books and then other clients who have one, two or three other commercial agents. Um, it can be a little bit of a gray area in terms of if certain agencies are submitting for the same thing, let's say a TV commercial. Um, I try to make it very, very clear. And I say to my clients, if we have phoned you first about a casting or a self-tape, then you accept that tape through us. If it's come through another agency, we respect that obviously. And then the client just says, oh, thank you so much, but I've been submitted by A, B and C. And, and then, and that keeps the, the, the communication open, you know, I'm, and I think agents need to stick together as well. We're all at home. We're all yeah. doing the same thing. We're all kind of um, rooting for our clients, but I think that keeps the agent's relationship together nice and open as well, um, which yeah. I think maybe some people aren't aware of that in terms of um, the commercial side of things where you can have submissions coming in from everywhere, which is normal, but the yeah. theater stuff will stay under that umbrella. So, yeah. Yeah. We are halfway through this amazing episode with Sine. She's an absolute dream. Later on in the episode, she does give out her social media handles and the best way to contact her as an agent. So do give her a follow. And if you are enjoying the episode, make sure to head over to your streaming platform of choice and leave your review. No, I think that's great. And for anyone listening, hopefully that's kind of giving you a quick cliff note version or contracts. <laughs> it's scary, yeah. isn't it? You just it's think, really right. scary. Yeah. Yeah. So the exclusive one, as you said, that's very much the norm for theatre and TV and film quite often because there's maybe less casting directors or certain pools so they don't want to have you submitted by like five agents where in the commercial yeah. world it's confusing yeah, yeah. And in yeah. the commercial world there's so many more because like you said it could be print it could be a bit of TV it could be a commercial dance and one agent represents that choreographer so therefore only submissions yeah. come from that agent so it's non-exclusive yeah. yeah and that that gives the client or the artist um you know the opportunity to to have options with different agencies and i think that's really important as well i think you because there's so much work around there is so much talent there's enough yeah. to go around for everybody do you know what i mean so that hopefully gives the talent um uh, that freedom as well 
which yeah. is good. So, yeah. What is it you look for in a client? And again, that's probably quite a, it's a very open question because I guess there's so many different casting brackets and all that, but what, what is it you like to see them from a client? Is it the fact that they have very short, concise emails of links? Is it that you like if they are triple threat or particularly like, what is it you look for in a client that someone listening who's looking for an agent might think, oh, I've not done that or I should try that? Good question. Um, obviously, aside from the, let's just say it's an email submission. Yeah. If, if the cover letter's bad, if the footage is bad, but the talent is there and I see something incredible, I don't worry about that. <laughs> so obviously, obviously whatever footage has been, is being sent or if it's a live audition, for me, it's, it is, and it's very cliche, but it's an X factor. It's a something else that will draw me to that talent. Um, it's something I can't explain. And, it, and, it, and I will know within five or 10 seconds of seeing that person or hearing them or, or watching that reel. It's very, it's an instant thing. It's an instant thing. And I think, uh, you know, there's weeks and weeks and I watch show reels every day. I get submissions in every day for the agency. Um, I enjoy that side of it, but it's an instant thing. I will hear that one note and I'll go, oh, okay, there's something really special here about this person. But also in terms of, you know, who we represent, we understand that everyone's on a journey. Somebody may not be quite ready for West End or, or, or a number one tour, but there's a potential in there that I see. So that's another reason that, you know, it's hence the name, The Dark Horse, which people don't really may or may not know. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's nurturing that talent knowing that there's that potential there as well. So it's not necessarily meaning that you have to come into an agency being the top of your game, but it's knowing there's that room there to grow. Um, but initially, yes, there has to be something special. And for me, it's the passion. And, you know, as a performer, an ex-performer, you can do as many classes as possible, get the technique, do all that. But for me, if you don't love what you do, it's, 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 it's um, redundant, I think. And I think, as an artist you should there should be the passion should be the foundation so I do look for that um as a whole when I'm looking at talent obviously the submission is important having uh, a nice cover letter is good addressing it to to me or the agency not hey babe or hey hun (laughs) (laughs) is not a good not recommended um obviously having all your material there a good show rule that doesn't need, need to be you on stage I just love a show reel in a studio, just you on your own in terms of a dance reel. Um, having obviously your vocal reel with that, if you're applying for a theater agency and you haven't got a monologue and a, and a voice reel with that, again, that makes more admin for me. So that's something maybe that listeners can kind of take on board. If you are applying for theater, you have to show us all yeah. of your disciplines, if that makes yeah. sense. So you be prepared, you know, and I do go back to talent and say, look, I need A, B and C. You've only showed me a dance reel. I need to see you sing. I need to see everything else. Um, Obviously photos. I'm I'm a very very, um, big advocate for good promotional photos and headshots and all that kind of stuff too. So if your promotional photos are strong, your headshots are nice and natural and not too much makeup and I can't see your skin tone, all that kind of stuff. Um, Yeah, that's all that stuff. It does kind of all add up, but for the main thing, it's seeing that passion really. That's the, that's the be all and end all for me. And knowing that if it's not quite cooked, then we yeah. get in the kitchen. Get in that kitchen with the show reel. Turn the oven on. That was cheesy, wasn't it? No, I loved it. Yes. And this is so funny because obviously we were just saying off air how I've just bought a house and I'm like, shall I do that in my kitchen? Shall I go in here? <laughs> One thing that I really love what you said there as well, and it might resonate more with the more seasoned performers who are listening is, 
promotional material, your headshot CV and going back to your castability and how I always say about knowing your personal brand, you can't be like, I'm a comedy actor. And then all your headshots are really serious. You look like a serial killer. And don't get me wrong, you need, <laughs> you need the versatility. So you have multiple headshots. But if that's what you're going for, knowing your brand as a fresh graduate, you don't maybe know as much. You've been in that sheltered three-year bubble. You almost need to audition for mo- like everything to kind of know, know where, where you sit. At. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's a really good thing. And don't always just go with that photographer because someone else says they're really good. Actually, like if you're paying a lot of money, what are you going to wear? Go with the one that's going to be good for you. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And also speak to your agent. Knowing, yeah, and knowing your, if you are not a commercial dancer, but your agent has said, I mean, I even ask all my vocalists and, and to get full length photos, not in a bikini, yeah. but photos, you know, kick ass diva photos if they're a singer, like something to represent them in a full length shot. Um, but, you know, don't, don't then don't pay for a shoot and be in a bikini if you're not a commercial dancer or don't need to have full body shots. It's knowing your bracket. And even as a vocalist, you should still have full length content. hundred percent. And we, I had it, I had it this week. We had somebody called in for something and, and we don't have a full length shot on file. And it means that it's chasing and it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, have that stuff ready to go so that it's all there ready, whether that's for you, if you're self-submitting or for your agent, you know what I mean? That's your package and it should just be ready to go. So, um, yeah, and just I think I think people get stuck in the I've got my headshots, so I'll keep them for three or four years. But actually, you could be shooting that whole time and getting content for your Instagram, even yeah. if it's just you in a park, you yeah. know, still great, it's still good for you. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, as you said, yeah. social media is such a search engine now for work or someone. There's only so much you can showcase in an audition. There's no yeah. way, unless you're in there for like weeks of audition, you can't unpack all what you have. So people will go to your social media, they'll go to your spotlight, yeah. they go to your YouTube. So and it's what I get, I always say to my clients about the press kit is like, you need everything in there, your photos. If you've got any really good reviews or quotes from like websites, have that all ready to go. Because as you said there, the admin time, that's unbillable hours. No one gets paid for that, but it's no, stressful no. as hell. Yeah, literally. Yeah. And I I spend hours of my day chasing up a shot or a, or a measurement of a wrist or a <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's like a, a, an amazing job could come in. It's a body double job. We need an exact measurement, you know, and we've got one hour to submit you. But if I don't have that on your file, then you miss the job. And it takes yeah. five seconds to put it in. But I think people don't realize that the admin side, when that's when you're on top of that, everything is free flowing. And then you're just doing your training, you're doing your singing lessons, and then everything falls into place. But if you've got gaps in that market marketing material, it slows you down. It, like It's like a lead weight. So, um yeah, hopefully that helps people. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> 100, yeah. like, everyone's like getting that tape measure on their wrists now. They're like, quick, <laughs> what's my cuff? <laughs> what's my cuff? Could you maybe give a few examples of maybe things agents don't like to hear or have receive? As you said, someone said, if they say, hey, babe, like that's not professional. Have you maybe got, again, nothing to identify anyone, but are there any key things that people should avoid if they're not sure whether that is, as you said, photos, whatever it is, you tell me, you've probably had some corkers in your time. Um, I've had, I mean, I, I, I enjoy and I like when people make an effort in the cover letter, but I've had some applications where people will list things um, about them, but they have nothing to do with, it's things like, I like orange juice, yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. It's just, the, it's irrelevant. It's just like, yeah. get to the point of just saying who you are, what you do, that's great. Um, 
being too I, I'm, I'm, I don't need it to be super formal but being too informal with the language I think is um, is a bit of a, a turnoff for that in terms of applications um, do you mean do you mean just for people writing in to apply or yeah or even yeah. like audition etiquette when you're having like an agency audition is there any because I think it's one of those things that someone who's new might not have loads of video clips or new photos so therefore their submission packet will be smaller but they could yeah. be doing that one thing that they could be asking someone in the audition, oh, what was that step? But actually that could put, you know, just what is there, have you seen anything Those or had anything? Yeah. Um, I, I, I have a big thing about treating everybody with the same respect. How, you know, how you treat the person on the door that's taking the numbers or giving you your form, or I've seen some applicants come in and be rude or, you know, just not be friendly. And then that filters through into the audition room and, and the panel, we notice that kind of stuff. And for me personally, you can be as talented as everything, but if you're not a nice person, I do not want to have business there, if that makes sense, because I want to make sure that every client that I have is going off on a job or a casting is a nice person, because I think that's so super important in terms of building your career and your reputation. So yeah, I look for how people interact in the room are you dancing or you're on top of someone? Are you, you stepping in, in front of someone? Are you in your space? Are you being rude? There's those kind of things that I do look at, which um, some people may not think, you know, goes hand in hand with all, but they're talented. But actually, no, but it, for me, I want peace of mind that I'm going to send people away and on a job and, and know that they're going to be a team player. So that's something that I do look at in terms of behaviours. Um, yeah, I just think being organized in audition, dressing for the audition, having the right outfit, having dressing for your body shape, whatever that is, having the right shoes. I have a lot of clients that come back to me after an audition and say, oh, it was really slippery. Uh, and I say, okay, were, were, your, were your New Yorkers uh, rubbered? No, they weren't. Okay, so that's, you can fix that. Yeah. So being prepared so you're not yeah. caught out, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the main thing, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think as you said, they're like politeness and work ethic are very desirable. And people don't realize that like, I've had it before when I've helped at auditions for companies that I've worked with a long time and I'll be outside um, checking people in and people will be like slagging off the audition or if it's mildly delayed or they don't even want to be here, but their agent wants them to. And then I'll actually go in and take the paperwork and actually maybe sit on the panel or have some form yeah. of, um, not necessarily, final deciding but I'll have some form of input and then I you would say that actually this person outside has been nothing but negative about this company and being here you don't want them to be on the road with you for 10 months if that's yeah. how they're going to be that's how it's going to be yeah and I think I think people don't understand that everything filters out and your reputation is like paramount it's so important it's so and it should be genuine it should be genuine and I think there's also off the back of that um, there's a notion it was kind of I feel like it was there when I was auditioning um, that even in the room you can't be supportive of your peers even if you don't know them but I do feel like if you are not supportive of your fellow performers you cut your yourself off from more opportunities in your career because you have to create that network with everybody that's where all the jobs come from as well it's yeah. within your performers network and I think people just think oh I've got my blinders on I'm in an audition she's my competition he's my competition um but actually yes you've got to focus in the room but you're all in this together and i i used to make a habit of finishing a casting and if i didn't get the job or whatever if i was down in the changing room if i saw someone that was amazing i made sure i said oh my god you're incredible today but just yeah. making that contact if i if i saw someone that was inspiring in that room 
and then that person remembers you and you form that friendship yeah. and, and you work together and then that actually gets you more work not saying you should do it for that reason but yeah. the connections the friendships that you build become your network even outside of your agent's connections you know what I mean I think yeah. that's really important too so yeah yeah for me, I think one of the first times I thought I was successful was actually when I was then getting direct book for jobs because of my yeah. name, because I'd been out a while. And as you build up those relationships, your your name and your reputation can either lose your work or get you work. And that's what I think people, you might not have the highest jumps in that room, but if you, you're polite, you turn up on time, you pick up the choreography really well, people are going to want to work with you as well. It's not, and you can learn those skills or improve on them. You don't have to go in Absolutely. as the finished product. Absolutely. And yeah, your, your reputation is like paramount. It's paramount because that means you, you will get the repeat work. Yeah. That's what you want. That's what you want. But if, yeah, yeah. You don't want to be one hit wonder. Cycle. Yes, no. of course. Um, I will let you go soon. I, I, I always say this to my guests. I'm like, you only need a short, certain amount of time. And here I am. Oh my like, God, don't hours worry. Later, I'm like, I got don't worry, go. I'm loving it. Don't worry. It's all good. <laughs> what um, advice would you give to a younger Sine that you don't didn't know at the time <laughs> that you wish you had known or that you think maybe would have helped you along your journey? Um, I would say just to relax with it to go with it I think I mean I my journey of again it was it was um, a mix of different jobs different things but it took a while to get to those jobs and I don't think within that time I trusted the process I think I had I mean of course you have those moments where you I mean I used to call I think what was it I think maybe the third time I'd auditioned for cats and got cut you know calling my mum in Australia at 3am I got cut again <laughs> on the phone crying outside you know in the rain and it's like and it's like, but those moments, you don't know it now, but in the long run, they're going to get you to that next step. And I think, yeah, I would have just told myself just to, but in that moment, you don't think that, do you? <laughs> no, of course, you're, you're like, why did they get that? <laughs> yeah. Well, they went, I've been to some auditions for cats and like people have not, they've tried to dress it apart too much. And they've got like an Alice band with like little ears on. But again, yeah, it's that whole process, isn't it? And you, mm. in the moment, you think I'm not, you think you're not breaking through those walls, but then actually you you are, but you don't know it. So trusting yeah. trusting that. And I actually wish that I'd also learnt to enjoy my life a bit more outside of performing. I was in that mindset and I'm, and I, you know, and I'm proud to say my work ethic is strong. And even as a performer, I worked really hard, trained really hard, but I think I could have relaxed a bit and 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 enjoyed life a bit more because you're 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 not just an artist you're a person and I think I only realized that into my 30s that you know when I when I was still performing I, I stopped when I was 35 so I think it's like yeah I think there's a balance there you're a person you're a human you're not a walking tonju or a, you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean you're a person like that's so important too yes so, yeah. no I absolutely adore what you said there because the hustle is hard like it's all yeah. encompassing and again I'm 34 now and it's in my late 20s early 30s I was valuing my like me time if I needed to heal or if I need to go to like a friend's wedding or yeah but actually let's prioritize that because I can take that into my jobs as well. I'm a more rounded individual if I have Absolutely. life experience. Absolutely. Yeah. If you've got no life experience, then you, you, yeah, you're, you don't grow as a performer. That's true, isn't it? So yeah. Yeah. Super important. Yeah. yeah. No, 100%. And also I think one of the things I love there as well is that you tried something 
in the fact of you went to Scotland with the head of dance at a college up there. And then after four years of pursuing that, you were like, hang on. No, this isn't right anymore. And then you like this book, The Bodyguard, like, OK, she's <laughs> off in Germany doing a musical. But like, you've got to I have mean, that courage yeah. to try, haven't you? And I, I just knew because there was a there was some and I loved teaching. I loved I loved it up there. There was just this thing in my heart. And I was and it sounds really corny, but I saw the audition come up and I just I just booked my ticket. And I said to my partner, I said, I said, I'm going to go. And I and I'm not I never, ever in my whole career felt like this. But I walked into that room and after that first round, I just it wasn't that I knew I had it, but in my I was relaxed. I, I was relaxed and I was the age that I was and I was in the right place at the right time you know and I was dancing in an ensemble with 19 year olds but I was living my best life you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> I went to all so, the German Christmas markets on tour <laughs> <laughs> literally but it's like it's that full circle moment where you go this all of the stuff that's happened before has led me to this to this moment and I remember you know I was I was in um, Bangladesh doing a corporate job a dance job and I got the email saying that I got the job and it was just like the elation was just you can't compare it and that so that whole journey before that had led me to that moment which was weird and I had retired and just kind of like ta-da just come back out <laughs> <laughs> dust off the split soul jazz shoes ready to go <laughs> literally yeah I just had to stretch for like two hours before I <laughs> yeah <laughs> And then it's like in, um, is it Bridesmaids when um, she wakes up early to put makeup on so she looks really yeah. like glow face? It's like, oh, I've just woke up. You were like that. Been at the audition for like three hours, stretching, Bikram, to then be like, oh, I've just got here. I'm so limber still. I'm really limber. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. So, who or what inspires you? that's maybe allowed you to continue your journey? Is there like a book you've read, an individual, a family member? Is there anyone or anything that's kind of kept you going? Um, I think it's a mixture really. I, if I look at my like close network of friends who are all in the creative side, um, I'm so proud of all of them. I think they're, a, I think you don't realize your, your, your network in terms of you're around them, you're seeing their journeys, they're changing jobs. They, they've been a massive um, inspiration to me because we're all doing the same thing and I think everyone goes through those lower moments and you see someone break breaking through and having you know an epiphany and starting something new and that then eggs you on doesn't it to keep pushing and keep going um I think also my partner who is he is a performer as well he was in stomp for 12 years did the same show for 12 years long time and um, he he retrained five years ago as a photographer and retoucher um, and is now learning CGI of all things and so he just kind of just kind of did that rip the band-aid off started and obviously was a massive support for me when I started the agency um, in terms of just like getting it done just do it he yeah. has that mentality of I will I will practice this until I get it right and that has rubbed off on me you know tenfold um, so yeah obviously I have a lot of um, a lot of inspiration around me so I feel yeah. lucky <laughs> and I think lucky one thing there that you've said so nicely as well is that the skills we learn are e like work for so many different avenues so many different career paths and the entertainment industry alone changes so much like I graduated in 2007 yeah 2007 and like <laughs> jobs that were around then like top of the pops was still it was dying out but that was still and I danced on that and like now people are like what's that or like <laughs> And 
X Factor up until like obviously X Factor this year has been dropped, but in a couple of years' time, people won't even have that on their CVs anymore. But at the time, it was a massive job. And now Netflix and social media influence, like the industry changes so much. So as long as you stay on the path or stay in doing what you stay doing what you love and don't be scared to kind of diversify, you can literally find work anywhere. Absolutely. And it, and it, and it will come to you in the right time, I think, as well, wouldn't it? If you, but you have to stay at it. That's the thing, isn't it? Yes. You've got to stick around. You've got exactly. to stick around. <laughs> Do you have yeah. any quotes that you love or live by or any mantras? Like I'm a bit of a quote fiend. I love for hearing like people's like <laughs> inspiring quotes. I'm like, yep, yeah, I'm gonna take that one. Yep, yeah, that's um, today's one. <laughs> I when you I, I did I did prep a few of these because I was like I'm, I don't know if I'm going to remember these um I this is one I just made up that I think is important it's a bit cheesy I think um today's hardship is tomorrow's triumph oh no I like that no <laughs> it's so true because I go back to what you said earlier I think if if you had said to someone like oh yeah I was a dancer I taught then did a musical and then now run a successful agency that makes it seem like it was like a massive leap but actually when you look back on it all those mini hardships were actually stepping yeah. stones yeah so no, to I like get that. you to the next yeah. thing yeah um, marks an a yes <laughs> i have another one this is just something i used to say to my kids at college it just it's just it's okay that's it yes. and so when anyone was having trouble or something wasn't going right i would just say it's okay. <laughs> As in like nothing, nothing is permanent. Whatever happened, you can have be having a bad day, a bad week, a bad year. It will be okay. The next thing will come. You'll get to a better place. I mean, it's very broad, isn't it? But I use that a lot for myself. <laughs> having a stressful day, I just think, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> As your single tear falls. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> It, no, it's. I think that's great because again, going back to what you're saying about your network and support system, I think you need to find a nice balance of people that are in the industry so you can talk about how crazy our life is and all that. But then people that you, whether they're still in the industry or not, but then people that you can just talk about anything else and just go to the cinema and chill and like. So it is okay if you're having a rubbish day. It's just weird, isn't it? Like what when what we do, a rubbish day could be the fact of. You've had your third audition for a show. You've spent ages and lots of money on singing lessons and new outfits. You don't get it. But then for someone else who maybe works in a different, completely different avenue, will have a day that for them is equally as bad. But for us might seem silly, but yeah. for them it's equally as bad. So it's just learning to kind of go with the wave, isn't it really? Literally, yeah. And know, and know also when to step off the wave and just have a break. I think that's it. Yes. important. Especially, I mean, for listeners not in London or a big city, when you live, you know, in these kind of places, it's, it's easy just to keep going and, you know, you have to know how to just turn off the phone. I have to do it. So, I mean, I when I first started the agency, I was working to get it set up. It was a, a lot of work and I was working... 24 7 through the weekend I was you know on my emails at 12 at night and I had to actually learn to be like actually when it comes to the weekend or you know that clock hits six or seven it's not p.m on a Friday it's usually <laughs> later but to know to shut that down have a rest regroup not, you know a building isn't going to burn down if you don't answer that you know those five emails but that's also a skill too and I think even as a performer and an artist if you've been grinding a week you're doing your two jobs you're doing your auditions no to say no to a job on the Sunday to rest you know what I mean like it's but I think that balance is unless you actively take that day off 
you just think, oh, but I'll just work and get that bit of extra money. Yeah. But actually your health will be better for it if you don't do that someday, you know what I mean? And have a rest. So yeah. yeah. I used to almost wear it as like a badge of honor to be like, I've not had a day off in 75 days. <laughs> and actually I was like, I looked rough as hell, like lips chapped, like dark eyes. But actually she'd be like, JV, you've not had a day off in 72 days. You're going to die. Like, But that's in, it's the um, glorifying the hustle, which shouldn't, you shouldn't be. You should actually be like resting as well. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there should be. <laughs> yeah. And I think this will be really good for listeners to be like, because you, you forget, I'm sure it's the same for you. Even now, because I'm the same, I have kind of had working parameters, but every now and then all of a sudden I forget and, all, and I'm like, oh, why have I not like left this desk all day? Or and Yeah, it- it's hard. It's hard, especially if you're passionate about what you do. Like, And obviously the agency is my baby. So if I'm going to work until 2 a.m. To, to make sure something's done, I will do it because no one else is going to be no. there to hold my hand. You know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> You've got to get it done. But you also then have to know, yeah, how to step down and go, oh, actually, no, I am going to watch... I'm going to watch Netflix tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and not feel guilty about it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Well, and yeah. it would get to a point where like you, you work so much and your favorite shows come out. You're like, I have to avoid Twitter because there'll be spoilers. So I just won't go on Twitter <laughs> for a week until I stop working. So no, take the time off, take the time yeah. off. <laughs> so important. So important. Yeah. And Sine, where can people find you? So first of all, as you, because also, I don't know how you fit it in, but you're also a very successful makeup artist as well. So where can people find you as you? And then where can people find out about the Dark Horse Agency? Um, you mean online, I'm assuming? Yes. Yeah. 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 Don't so- think about your home address. <laughs> <laughs> I got a bit of freaked out there. I was like, what? Yeah. Um, <laughs> my personal Instagram, which is Sine underscore creative. My agency uh, Instagram is TDH Agency. Yes, I do some makeup on the side as well. That's taken a bit of a backseat. Um, obviously the agency stuff has taken priority at the moment yeah. so but um yeah I do the odd makeup and wedding and all that kind of stuff yeah. as well which keeps me creative as well so yeah she's enjoyable yeah exactly if you've got other skills why not flex those muscles even if you don't need the money just to do something different I think it's so nice Absolutely. Escape, isn't it yeah and I I trained as a makeup artist whilst I was teaching um so I did that on the side as well so I have that qualification um yeah it's just good just to keep your brain going even if it's not in the same sector that you live and breathe for yes <laughs> do you know what I mean so <laughs> it's important so yeah keep it fresh so, well yeah. thank you so much for your time today I'll put all of your contact details in the show notes as well so if someone's listening and they want to find your details just click on the show notes um obviously don't all send Sine emails now for representation or if you do don't say <laughs> hey babe but um I'm sure you all agree with me that it was amazing to get that insight to an agent so thank you Sine. oh thanks Jamie I had a lovely time thank you thank you so much Sine. I absolutely loved that interview and I'm sure you the listeners will agree that she was fab so that's it that's a wrap of season four of the business of show business podcast do not worry I will be back in 2022 with another season or maybe two If you have enjoyed this episode, as I say, head over to your chosen streaming platform and leave your review. And if there are any guests you particularly want, send me a DM. I'm at BodyJamie on all social media or info at jamiebody.com. And I will see if I can get your dream guest on the show. See you next year.